It is with those words that we just sang in the back of our minds that we are given the grace to keep the statutes of the Lord with thankfulness and proper awe that we look at our text and scripture reading for this afternoon. We'll read from Jeremiah chapter 35. And this is in connection with what we read in the Ten Commandments regarding the call to honor father and mother, that our days may be long in the land that the Lord our God is giving us, and then also the explanation that as we find that in our confession in Lord's Day 39. So Jeremiah chapter 35, this is the word of the Lord. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go to the house of the Rechabites, speak to them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took Jeazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, a man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes above the chamber of Maaziah, the son of Shalem, the keeper of the door. Then I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites bowls full of wine and cups, and I said to them, Drink wine. But they said, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house sow seed, plant, plant a vineyard, nor have any of these, but all your days you shall dwell in tents, that you may live many days in the land where you are sojourners. Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he charged us to drink no wine all our days, we, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, nor to build ourselves houses to dwell in, nor do we have vineyard, field, or seed. But we have dwelt in tents, and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us. But it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up into the land that we said, Come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans, and for fear of the army of the Syrians. So we dwell at Jerusalem. Then came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction to obey my words, says the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, which he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. For to this day they drink none, 
and obey their father's commandment. But although I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, you did not obey me. I have also sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Turn now, everyone, from his evil way, and mend your doings, and do not go after other gods to serve them. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and your fathers, but you have not inclined your ear nor obeyed me. Surely the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. But this people has not obeyed me. Therefore thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring on Judah and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the doom that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them, but they have not heard. And I have called to them, but they have not answered. And Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus is the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab, your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according to all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus is the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not lack a man to stand before me forever. So far the reading of God's holy word. Let's now turn our attention to what we confess in Lord's Day 39 of the Heidelberg Catechism, which we find on page 891 of the Trinity Psalter. And there we find the following question and answer. What is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? That I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me, submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline, and also that I be patient with their failings, for by their hand God wills to rule us so far. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon I'd like to introduce to you the Rechabite family. No, they are not a new family in your church. You did not receive them as a family from the United Reformed Church of Jerusalem. But these people lived a long time ago and they were somewhat peculiar, but in a good way. This family joined the people of God. They were Midianites and they were nomads. We read about that in First Chronicles chapter 2, verse 55, and Judges 1 and 4. These Rechabites practiced and championed a quality and virtue which few in our society would be prepared to defend. 
They obey an order given to them by their father and voluntarily refrain from drinking alcohol. Their forefather, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, had commanded them, neither you or your descendants must ever drink wine. Also, you must never build houses, sow seed, or plant vineyards. You must never have any of these things, but always live in tents. Then you will live a long time in the land where you are nomads. Now, we might consider such a command excessive and unreasonable. And maybe we would even consider this just simply coming from some controlling and narcissistic dad who goes way beyond his role as head of the household. For the Lord didn't forbid the use of wine, and he permitted his people to build houses and to live in them and sow seed and crops. And yet, the Rechabite family respect and honor the wish of their father. To bring to light their remarkable obedience to the fifth commandment, the Lord tells Jeremiah to bring these people into the house of the Lord and to place wine before them, encouraging them to have a drink. But they don't give in. These people are an example to the people of Judah. The Rechabite family respect and honor the wishes of their father, but the people of the Lord do not respect the Lord's authority, honor his word, or listen to his servants, the prophets. So what do you think? Would you enjoy being part of the Rechabite family? Maybe you find this guy a little overbearing, over the top and excessive. But God uses the dedication and loyalty of this family to drive home a point with his people. And the point is, which also comes to us, are we, as people of God, willing to honor authority? Now, if you are like me, and I'm pretty sure you are, this is certainly an area where we struggle. I don't like to be told what to do or be corrected. Oh, I'm okay with authority when the authorities are on the same page as I am, but I have a harder time respecting them when they make decisions that I don't like, I find stupid, or an infringement on my freedom. And it's embarrassing how quickly I find myself grumbling about what I am called to do. But as a child of God, as one who knows Jesus, I have a responsibility here, and so do you, not to follow the culture and the spirit of our times. What the Lord is calling me to do in every commandment is to reflect the love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are in union with him. 
Our life is associated with him. We are to mirror Jesus who submitted himself to a corrupt and unfair authority so that you and I may live under the just and blessed rule of him who has been given all authority both in heaven and on earth. Well, may the Lord bless the instruction that is given to us and may he also bless our obedience to this commandment as he blessed the Rechabites. Now we'll look further at what we find in the commandment Honor your father and your mother under the following theme. The Lord God commands you to honor all those in authority over you. And we'll look at three things this afternoon. First, the origin of this command. Second, the content of this command. And then third, the perspective of this command. Honor your father and your mother. And with these words, the Lord shows his love and his care for the welfare of life in our homes, church, and country. Boys and girls, what is God saying to you when he says, honor your mom and your dad? What is meant by that word, honor? Well, the word honor in scripture means to consider of high value, to consider weighty. Your parents are to be honored as those who have authority, as those, that is, as those who have an influence on the actions of another. A person with authority is honored and respected as one who has been assigned a position of leadership. But then it raises another question. Why do we need authority figures? Aren't we just setting ourselves up for a lot of negative responses for abuse and control and bullying? And why is it wrong for children to defy their parents, to challenge them, to dismiss what they are saying because you in your mind have ruled them to be out of touch or that you feel yourself having the right to throw a temper tantrum when you don't get your way. Why should you listen to them? Well, here's the kicker. We submit with due obedience to those who are in authority because God, the Lord, is the author of authority. And his redemption and the freedom he gives us as a result require that we honor all those in authority over us. In all aspects of life, God requires unlimited gratitude for salvation. And our love to God is to be expressed in a love and respect for each other in the church community, at work, on the job site, in marriage, in family, and in school life. We honor those God ordained to be honored. Now, authority is a creation ordinance. 
And this ordinance is renewed to its proper place where Christ works salvation and renewal, namely in the church. So we have a huge responsibility as people of God to honor and respect authority figures because we honor and respect God and his word. And we know ourselves to be those who have redeemed by Christ and who are called to exemplify that wherever we are. Having faith in God and listening to the gospel of salvation, we submit ourselves to the fifth commandment. Restoration in Christ and renewal through the Holy Spirit is the foundation of this commandment. And we long for the full restoration of the glory of the Lord. For the harmony, the peace, and the order, and the structure of paradise. And in paradise, the glory and the honor of the Lord filled all the earth. God ruled his creation from on high as the absolute and sovereign ruler. And he gave Adam and Eve a high calling within the structure of creation. They were to act as his representatives and to rule on his behalf so that his glory be visible in all the earth. And that is what Adam and Eve were called to do together as husband and wife in the task that the Lord gave them. Well, we know the story, don't we? Things get messed up by sin. So that the man and the woman do not work together as they should. And people start using authority to serve themselves and their own lusts and pleasures. They use it to dominate and to be abusive. But Christ teaches us to see authority as God intended. And so Christian men and women who are redeemed by Christ are to be respected in the task they were given in creation. And as they are being restored to that task through the work and the ministry of Christ. In the kingdom of Christ, a man receives the office of king and he is to reflect in this task the ministry and the mindset of the Lord Jesus he is to lead, but his leadership is one of service. He does not rule as a dictator or as a grand manipulator. And it is interesting after Genesis 1 states the general idea of man and woman being created in the image of God, that Genesis 2 zooms in on the creation of the first woman. Genesis 2 verse 18 tells us that the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Suitable. A suitable helper. And this woman, created in the image of God, was designed to be a helper fit for her male counterpart. But what does that mean? Doesn't that sound somewhat condescending? 
Well, understand well that a helper fit for the man is not a maid or a mindless sidekick waiting to take on orders. Eve was, wasn't created by God to be Adam's hired hand, charged to do all the chores and the hard things that he didn't enjoy doing. When she is presented to Adam, he does not respond by saying, Okay, woman, let's get this straight right from the start. I'm the boss, and you are my little helper. No, he responds with excitement. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Adam and Eve are one flesh, yet respecting the different functions that the Lord has given to them. Eve is a suitable helper. And did you know the Hebrew term for helper is most often used of God? Which makes sense, since the woman was created to reflect God. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is also called our helper, our counselor, our comforter. He is the one who comes alongside and encourages us. And beloved, when we understand what God does as our helper, it changes how we view the position of godly women. The almighty sovereign Lord of the universe is our helper. And women were created in his image. God, our help, defends. He cares for the oppressed. He delivers from distress. He rescues the poor and the needy. He comforts. He supports. He shields and protects and God's example reveals a high and worthy calling for women as helpers suitable for men, both within and outside the context of marriage. Women are called to show compassion, support, defend, to defend and protect. They are called to deliver from distress and to comfort. They're called to be conduits of God's grace in their homes and in church life. They're called to be like Christ. Yes, women are called to be strong helpers and advocates in widespread ways. And the help of women extends to children and neighbors and strangers that God places on a woman's path. But there is also a very strategic application of this help. Eve was created to help her particular husband also as she acknowledged his authority as leader. So there you have it. This is the way a husband and wife are to live together as those who honor the fifth commandment. And when Adam and Eve have children, an other position of authority is formed. Adam and Eve are to represent God by executing the authority given the, to them according to the tasks God has given. 
Parents are given authority to direct their children to Jesus. The man with the function he is given and the woman with the function she is given so that the children may come to know Jesus. You see, the fifth commandment, like all the other commandments, is all about Christ for parents and for children. And this is why it is so crucial that you boys and girls listen to your mom and dad. Proverbs 23 verse 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. And that also means that you shouldn't think you know better. How often does it happen? Maybe even just a habit. But yet your parents say something and you're already saying, I know. But do you? Listen to them. So that they can teach you to know the Lord Jesus. Indeed, be teachable. And not only do you have fathers and mothers, but you also have grandparents. And don't despise them or think they are somehow out of touch. And besides these, we are called to honor our employers. Naaman's servants addressed him as my father. And in the church, office bearers are often called fathers. In some Presbyterian and Reformed churches, that is still a practice. The men who are assembled together in the broader assemblies are addressed as brothers and fathers. Elisha called Elijah his father. And Paul writes to the Corinthians, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus. How? Through the gospel. And furthermore, the Bible calls us to respect and honor senior citizens. And we will do more than just be polite and hold a door open for them. But we will actively listen to their wisdom gained from life experience, gained from being in the scriptures. And since the origin of authority is in the Lord, those who are given such positions must use that wisely and not antagonize or exasperate or put unreasonable demands on those placed under their authority or make them do something contrary to the commandments of the Lord. What Jesus said to Pilate, everyone must confess to anyone in endowed with authority. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. So the fifth commandment calls us to honor and respect all those in authority over us. To maintain the structures and the institutions ordained by God. And such respect for authority is to be taught. And God gave that responsibility, first of all, to parents. Christian parents are to teach their children values and respect and honor. 
And the best way of teaching and instructing is by your example. Children will learn to respect the authority of God's word when it receives a place of honor, of high value on your schedule. Our children learn to respect God in the way we listen to sermons and in how we follow through on the preaching. Do we bend under the authority of God's word or do we find ways to deflect attention from doing what God wants because it doesn't line up with us and our selfish ways? Oh, it's easy to get negative about those in positions of leadership because, of course, we see their weaknesses. And then it's easy to dismiss their authority altogether. Well, pray that the Lord give you the strength to show honor and respect, even if at times that may be very, very difficult. Don't fall into the habit of spending your waking hours just griping and complaining and worrying about what is going on in the world of politics. That's an easy thing to do especially in today's political climate. Honor authority is the refrain of Scripture, both in Old and New Testament. And we said earlier that to honor means to consider of high value. And you know, to consider something of high value is a decision. It's a decision that we make. Imagine if our children make it impossible for us to exercise authority because they make the decision not to honor you, to consider what you say to them to be of high value. You tell them to make their lunch ready for school and they go, you're weird. Why should I do that? Just give me some money so I can go buy my lunch. And imagine if they walked around the house just criticizing every move you made and pointing out all your inconsistencies. Pretty sure I know what you would tell them. Zip it. Because that will kill family life, as it will kill church life, as it will kill the life of a nation if authority is not honored and considered of high value. We've all heard parents and others bemoan the fact that many of today's youth, they just aren't like what they used to be. They don't respect authority. But who is to blame? If you and I refuse to listen to respect and honor those who are set over us. Don't you think that will feed and fuel rebellion in the next generation? If we only respect the authority of others when it suits us, how can we expect our children to act differently toward us? And we don't honor our parents merely because they are honorable but because God has placed them over us. 
The Bible does not say, children, obey your parents when they are right. It says, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children are not given the freedom to challenge and question the parents, their parents' authority. Oh, for sure, a parent must be fair and just and kind and have the best interests of the children at heart. But parents are human. They make mistakes. And this is why it is wrong, boys and girls, teenagers and whoever you are, to defy them and to tell them, go catch a chicken when they ask you to follow their lead. And similarly, we do not respect the government only when it governs rightly. When David gets an opportunity to kill Saul, who was not acting at all according to the will of the Lord, the thought doesn't even cross David's mind. Now I can kill him. Instead, he shudders with holy reverence. The Lord forbid, he says, that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed. You see, we honor and submit to authority for God's sake. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ defined authority for us in his own person. In his human person, he taught us what it meant to submit by his example. He obeyed his earthly parents. He paid his taxes. He showed honor and respect to the church courts and the legal courts. He submitted himself to the authority of his heavenly father, being obedient even to death on the cross. And through his obedience, he obtained for all those who honor God-given authority the promise of a long-lasting blessing. The Lord attaches a promise to the fifth commandment that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Paul calls this in Ephesians the first commandment with a promise. It's first because it is of fundamental importance. Other commandments which follow will be determined by it as well. And this promise meant a lot to the Israelites. Possessing the land, to live in the promised land was to have the guarantee of God's presence, of salvation, and the possession of eternal life. Land was a declaration of God's dependability and, God, and Israel's dependency on God. Well, the Lord promises to be present with his people. They can count on him as long as they acknowledge God-ordained structures of authority. God rules in the land through the hand of the authorities. Well, the land does not have the same significance for us today, does it? But the promise remains. You have been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of the land, of the promised land, 
of the eternal paradise of God. And therefore, brothers and sisters, remember your leaders. Do not resist or speak disparagingly against the authorities whom God has appointed over you. And it's very interesting, and you can look this up for yourself even later today, the way Peter in his first letter weaves respect and honor for the Lord with our calling to honor those in authority over us. He writes in chapter 2, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should, be, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So we do the will of God and put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And then he goes on and says this, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor, that is, consider of high value, everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. When following God ordained structures, you will be blessed. But how? Well, think about it. When you honor those in authority, you honor God, and he has promised to bless the obedience of his people. No ruler in this world has any authority except that which has been delegated to him by God and by his Christ, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And thus disobedience to the lawful commands of earthly authorities is ultimately disobedience to God and to Christ because they ordained the governing authorities. Our world has gone crazy in lawlessness. Well, we are to be different. Wherever we find ourselves under authority and we will find ourselves submitting to various authorities throughout our life, we're to submit to that authority as God would have us do it. Pray for the wisdom that you are able to do so in a way that pleases him. Oh, if we look at human authorities who are tyrannical, unfair, and unjust, and then we hear the call to submit and honor and obey, that can make us bristle. And it may create in our hearts all sorts of negative reactions such as anger and resentment and resistance and a desire to just push back. Well, did you know that the Apostle Peter wrote to people who were subjected to brutal, fierce, and violent persecution? The kind of activity that can incite the worst possible reactions and responses within us. But Peter pleads with those people who were the victims of the hatred of their culture to behave in an honorable manner before the watching world. 
And that is only really possible when we look beyond them, the rulers, and past them to see the one whom the Father has invested with ultimate cosmic authority, namely Jesus Christ, your Lord. And doesn't that settle you and make it a little easier? Because we know that one day he is coming back. And he will take us into the promised land and under his righteous rule he will never tyrannize or abuse or mistreat us. And you will live with him who has all authority in heaven and on earth and who has given you today a helper suitable, the Holy Spirit. You will live forever on the new earth. And on the new earth, the honor and authority God gave to Adam and Eve in paradise will be restored in perfection as we bow down and honor and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen.